The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, a number of New innovations were introduced at Canada's Farm Show in Regina last week. We'll hear from Andrea DeRue, who is Director of Agronomy with Crop Intelligence, and uh, they will explain uh, what they have for their latest app and weather stations, as well as Saskatoon-based company introduced a brand new product aimed at increasing accuracy of grain samples. When it comes to canola, the Canola Council of Canada is inviting applications for year two of Canola for our advantage through a new digital portal opening, which started today. We'll hear from agronomy specialist Warren Ward on that. And the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association has reviewed the updated grain grading guide under the Canadian Grain Commission. We'll hear from President Gunter Joachim on that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. A Saskatoon-based company introduced a brand new product at Canada's Farm Show aimed at increasing accuracy of grain samples. CEO and co-founder of Verigrain, Ken Jackson, says their company strives to solve the problem of producers being unsure of the quality of grain stored in their bins and for buyers being unsure of the quality of grain they're purchasing. The product is called AccuSample Ultra MT. And the, the thing that makes it very unique is that it, uh, it very easily bolts onto or adapts onto a, a swing auger, a grain bagger, um, a, a, um, the, the outlet on a, a grain dryer, maybe even a bucket elevator. Um, and, and it automatically takes grain samples based on uh, a timed interval. And that timed interval is, is um, calculated or determined by the, the the app, the Veragrain app, uh, conveyed via Bluetooth to the um, uh, to the Accus or the Accu sample device, and so we're able to get absolutely representative samples of the the grain that is is flowing through, and without the grower having to worry about you know uh, uh, doing that. Uh, so uh, the other uh, component that's very unique is every sample that we take, we also get a uh, moisture and temperature uh, value on that. So we're able to identify. Uh, in, in real time and, and with you know quite high accuracy uh, potential spoilage uh, risk uh, on the uh, on the grain it also provides highly detailed information for blending for moisture to be able to optimize that moisture value uh, so that's the the product uh, that we're uh, we're introducing uh, today and and won an award for uh, on Tuesday as for the cost of the product yeah, no, they are uh, for sale. They're they're uh, a reg regularly priced at uh, thirty two ninety five uh, on a show special uh, at, at for this summer show season for twenty nine ninety five. That's Ken Jackson, the CEO and co-founder of Veragrain, 
a Saskatoon-based company, introducing their newest product, the AccuSample Ultra MT. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. A couple of unexpected numbers in the U.S. Department of Agriculture June Cattle on Feed report Friday afternoon. Feedlot placements were up 5%, according to Shale Shagam, a USDA livestock market analyst. A sign that you are digging pretty deeply into that supply that's left outside feedlots, but the fact that you're placing some of those heavier cattle would also indicate that some of those may have been heifers which people were thinking about retaining and are now questioning whether they're going to have the forage and the wherewithal to uh, breed them and carry them forward. Shagam notes there are still very strong pockets of dryness, especially in the Southern Plains states. U.S. feedlots have been running profitable margins this year, which means they are willing to pay more for the placements. If we look at the price of 750-800 pound calves in Oklahoma City, currently they're running about $228 a hundredweight, which compares to about $163 a year ago. So very strong demand, which is reflected in that high price, and apparently given the fact that the producers' feedlots have had good returns, is a sign that they're willing to pay those animals coming into the feedlot. There were just under 11.6 million head of cattle on U.S. feedlots June 1st, down 3% from a year ago. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. DX94 Ag Review. A research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada says 2023 is the worst year for grasshoppers she has seen in more than two decades. Megan Van Kosky, who is also co-chair of the Prairie Pest Monitoring Network, says it's not just the number of grasshoppers. She says crops aren't necessarily growing very well, and so damage is more noticeable. Van Kosky says higher temperatures this year have allowed the insects to fly early, allowing them to reach new food sources. She says they tend to prefer cereals like oats, wheat, rye and barley, but during a drought they'll eat anything they can find. The Okanagan Basin Water Board says the region has moved to drought level 2 after an early forecast with hot and dry conditions throughout the spring. A statement from the board says recent cooler weather and localized rain offered a brief reprieve, but drought will persist until a bout of prolonged rain. It says stream flows in the region are low and notes water temperatures are rising, which can be deadly for salmon and other fish. The province's drought bulletin shows numerous regions have moved up to drought level 3 on the 5-level scale since the start of June, while the Peace region is at level 4 which means conditions are extremely dry and communities or ecosystems are likely to suffer significant harm. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 94% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 46, a slight improvement from the previous week's 93% order of fulfillment performance. On a combined basis, CN and CPKC have now supplied 93% or more of cars ordered in each of the last 10 weeks. 
The improvement in performance reflects better performance for CN and a modest decline in performance for CPKC. In supplying 94% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 46, CN's performance improved from the 88% posted in week 45 and returned above the 90% threshold. CPKC order fulfillment performance declined slightly, with the railway supplying 94% of cars ordered, down slightly from the 97% order fulfillment performance seen the previous week. CPKC remains above the 90% threshold for the 10th straight week and 13th time in the last 14 weeks. Russia is 99.9% certain to quit a UN broker deal on the safe wartime passage of Black Sea grain next month because it no longer needs Ukrainian ports to export ammonia. Moscow has threatened not to extend the agreement beyond July 18th unless a series of demands including the removal of obstacles to Russian grain and fertilizer exports are met. The Black Sea export deal also allows for the safe export of ammonia, an important ingredient in nitrate fertilizer, but none has been shipped under the initiative. Ukraine's foreign ministry ambassador at large says Russian ammonia producer Uralchem has found an alternative route and does not need to export ammonia via Odessa. And the third-generation family at Laguie Farms near Fillmore, Saskatchewan, were named Saskatchewan's Outstanding Young Farmers for 2023 in Regina last week. Jake Laguie, Sarah Laguie, and Eric Nicolishan received the recognition at the Provincial Award event held in conjunction with Canada's Farm Show. Laguie Farms was established in 1956 when grandparents Don and Elsie Laguie bought the home section at Weyburn. The trio's parents, Russ and Sharon, took over the farm in the late 1970s. Management shifted to Sarah and Jake in the early 2010s, and in 2017, Eric, husband to sister Amber, joined the farm team. The Laguis are involved in the broader ag community on several fronts, including through the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, the Sask Wheat Development Commission, and the Global Farm Network. Jake also writes a popular blog called A Year in the Life of a Farmer. The National Outstanding Young Farmers event for 2023 is scheduled for November 22nd through the 26th in Laval, Quebec. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Crop Intelligence, powered by South Country, has released the latest updates on its products that help producers interpret soil moisture to model yield potential in dryland farming. Director of Agronomy with Crop Intelligence, Andrea DeRue, 
says they released the latest version of their app and weather stations. We uh, officially launched our product in 2017, uh, but after so many years of uh, learning in our system, uh, learning with our customers, we launched version two of our system here. We also launched crop intelligence irrigation. So after all of our learnings with our dry land producers, uh, understanding moisture, water use efficiencies, uh, the irrigation uh, division has had approached us about optimizing some of their work. Uh, so we've launched that and we also have the addition of our alerts with push notification system. So now our producers, our agronomists, our customers, they can set different parameters based on their weather station, moisture data, and the system will alert them when they're in and out of uh, those ranges of what they're looking for. Daru explains what crop intelligence irrigation does. Crop intelligence irrigation was really how to optimize water uh, when we're able to apply what we need. So from what we learned from the dryland system, uh, we can see how much water from the ground and rain contributes to yield and we can create an irrigation deficit for those that are irrigating. So they set their yield target, we evaluate the water potential they have and then they can get a number on how much irrigation they need to apply and then maximize the timing of that with our plant health signatures from the probe below ground. So for example, we often over apply our irrigation too early. We create a really lazy plant in terms of root development and that creates a really weak unhealthy plant. So we want the crop to root down a little bit. So we watch for those signatures on the probe. Uh, then we can trigger our first irrigation, create a very strong plant that's going to use that water uh, efficiently. It's not just a sales pitch for Daru, as she describes her experience using these products on her farm. I'm a farmer myself and I think of what the dry line probe situation on our farm has allowed us to do and to realize that uh, in a lot of years we have more potential for yields than I thought. So we are building a long-term strategy to get us that extra 20, 30 bushels uh, in a smart way year after year to build it. And then with irrigation, uh, you know, if you're using your water in a more effective manner, maybe there's potential to expand irrigation on your farm. And as irrigation expands in Saskatchewan, uh, if we can get irrigation on more acres, that's just good for our whole economy. And she laid out the cost of some of these products. The weather stations are purchased by our customers. Uh, the very basic will be about 3500 up to 5000 depending on how many sensors you want on it. Per year, it's about 275 for your selfies, crop intelligence is 750 per probe and then we have a wonderful vendor network that will manage all your hardware for you and that cost is dependent on them. Crop intelligence revealed the updates and new product at Canada's farm show which was held last week in Regina. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 170.60 today. That's down 17. October live cattle closed at 174.02, down 47. August feeder cattle closed at 233.67, down 27. September feeder cattle closed at 237.50, down 20. August lean hogs closed at 90.05, up 37. October lean hogs closed at 80.22, up 25. And that's the livestock market conditions.
The Canola Council of Canada is inviting applications for year two of Canola for our advantage through a new digital portal opening starting today. Agronomy specialist Warren Ward says the Canola for our advantage funded through Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's On-Farm Climate Action Fund offers financial support to growers as they initiate or advance for our nutrient stewardship on their farms. Yeah, so anybody who would have used it last year, it's going to look a little bit different this year. We do have a different service provider, so uh, hopefully things are streamlined and, and convenient to use. And uh, the way uh, the way people will find that application portal is if they go to our Canola Council dot org website and there will be a, a link on there to our for our advantage site as well so uh, should be pretty straightforward and and uh, hopefully user friendly for everybody to access but he says producers should be prepared when they log into the portal yeah so there's a, a few things to to keep in mind i guess um i guess the first of all there is a, there will be a link on there as well for a, a demonstration on how to how to fill out the uh the forms and and there's also a recorded webinar there so hopefully lots of resource information to to help fill things out properly now in terms of what you need to to apply to the program it's going to be very similar to uh, to how it was in in year one last year uh, the first step will be to have a, a 4R plan that, that a farm has developed uh, in consultation with a designated 4R agronomist. So uh, I do believe uh, over the last year or, or year and a half, there's been quite a few uh, new uh, agronomists getting their, their designation to, to be able to help uh, generate those plans. So hopefully that's easy, easy enough to, to find for a farm. Um, once you have that plan in place, then you can look at the BMPs that we're offering through the program. Uh, so that could be uh, looking at uh, soil testing, using an enhanced efficiency fertilizer uh, product, and um, and also uh, looking at uh, at some uh, opportunities for generating zone maps and and working with a consultant to do that. So so those are the three areas that we're funding. Uh, this year. Um, one slight difference from last year is that we did have a preferred application BMP and that was when uh, when growers moved from applying their fertilizer in the fall to in the springtime banding it or else a combination of banding in the spring and, and top dressing in season. What we needed for that one is a, is a higher fertilizer price in the spring than the fall and uh, I think uh, like everybody's aware that didn't didn't happen this year so we've actually not uh, we won't be taking applications on that one right now just because that that price differential wasn't there so a few a few changes from year one to year two of our program. Ward then reviews what the four R's are. It's a uh, fertilizer or nutrient management practices that we've been talking about for quite some time. And I'm actually excited now that we do have some some incentives to help people adopt some of these practices. But the four R's stand for using the right source of fertilizer, using the right rate of fertilizer, applying it at the right time and in the right place. So those are the, the four R's, the four rights of, of fertilizer management. And uh, it's a, it's really, it's a program that's, that's quite user-friendly. Um, it's really just promoting good agronomic practices when it comes to nutrient management and trying to get the most out of your investment. And it's not a one-size-fits-all type of program. There's, there's different options within there that you can uh, tailor your practices to what works for you on your farm and on, on specific fields. And, and uh, it's, it's quite, uh, quite adaptive that way and and there is uh, some lots of benefits that that are associated with using these practices 
He adds some decent funding is available for producers who meet the requirements of the program. I guess looking at some of the program details, so again, this is funded through the uh, through um, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's On-Farm Climate Action Fund. And uh, within that, um, there's a, up, a farm can receive up to $75,000 total on this, on this program. So that, uh, keep in mind, we're not the only organization offering uh, 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 this type of program through the On-Farm Climate Action Fund. So between us and any other of the uh, On-Farm uh, Off-CAF programs that you're involved in, that $75,000 limit is, is what you, the maximum you'd be able to receive. With our program, in particular, uh, another change from year one to year two is we've uh, raised the limits in, in terms of how much each of these BMPs, uh, so whether it's soil testing or using enhanced efficiency fertilizer, for instance, uh, the maximum you can receive this year is 20000 per BMP. And you can imply, apply for all three of the BMPs that we're offering. So um, lots of opportunities there, uh, regardless of the size of your farm, that um, that there should be some some options there for you to, uh, to maximize uh, your, your uh, returns through the program. Ward notes the funding applies to a certain time period. Expenses for this program will be uh, expenses that uh, uh, have been made from April 1st of 2023. So uh, that's the start date for this year because we do follow the, the federal fiscal year. And uh, so um, even though the program applications are opening in June here, uh, you can go back to those those uh, expenses that started back as far as April 1st this year. And uh, expenses, the end of uh, the program will be March 31st of 2024. So any anywhere between April 1st of this year and March 31st of next year, these are the expenses that will be eligible for year two of our programming. And he outlines the best way for producers to find out more information on the program. Probably the best way would be to go to our uh, canolacouncil.org website uh, and then access the um, the For Our Advantage page through that. And uh, all the details on the BMPs and, and the requirements for the program and deadlines, everything that uh, that you'll need should be there, as, along with some, some t- tutorials to uh, to help with the application process. And we do have some uh, some contact information there as well if uh, if you still have questions after that. Warren Ward is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada based at Springside. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up next. Commodities update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. November canola closed at 721.60, up $16.50. January canola closed at 726.30, up $15.50. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 872 and a half, down one and a quarter cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 868 and a quarter, up six and a half cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 738 and a quarter, down eight and a quarter cents. September corn closed at 584 per bushel, down three quarters of a cent. August soybeans closed at 1424 and a half, up 20 and a half cents. September oats closed at 407 and a half, up seven cents. 
And that's the Commodities Update. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association has reviewed the updated grain grading guide under the Canadian Grain Commission. President Gunter Joachim says the new standards will come into effect on August 1st. We took a quick look at it. I mean, we didn't do an in-depth uh, study, um, but it, it uh, uh, right looking at it real quick, it's, it's always uh, good when, uh, it, you know, when things are clarified as, as far as uh, how grain is graded. It's, it's good that we're moving to a scientific-based methodology on, for example, things like sprout damage, uh, which used to be assessed visually, which is not very easily done. And, uh, you know, by going to tests like the Hagberg test, which takes less than a minute to do, uh, it, it can actually really uh, identify severely sprouted wheat fast and it'll serve the whole industry much better rather than rather than guessing as to oh hey is this sprouted is it severely sprouted uh then again uh, you know what if sprouts are broken off um and so on so we're we're very supportive of moving towards a more scientific based grading system um, the same with uh, canola dockage. Uh, you know, there's, uh, depending on the elevator, they use different screens that didn't really used to be a standardized methodology, a standardized screen use, and so on. I mean, e even personally, two weeks ago, we d delivered a load of canola and uh, to a different elevator, and we, we had... Um, delivered all winter to uh, to crushers, to elevators, and our dockage always ran around 1% to 1.8%. And we uh, hauled a load to a different elevator that we hadn't hauled to since last summer. And our dockage all of a sudden was 3.8%. And uh, my daughter caught it before she left the elevator, and she called me. She said, Dad, what's going on? And I said, well... That, no, it shouldn't be like that. Go in, ask them to redo it. Well, she went in, pointed it out. They redid it with a different screen, and all of a sudden, you know, it was right back down to 1.7. So we, I mean, we saved 2% off of a Super B load. That adds up pretty quick. And so it's nice to see that uh, the Grain Commission is coming up with a more standardized test with uh, uh, better methodology as how to go about it, what screens to use, and so forth. Unfortunately, he says the improved grain grading might not make a difference in international markets. I am not sure about that. Uh, for example, like our grain quality is very high to begin with. Uh, when, when grain buyers... That, that buy our grain, when they make deals overseas to sell it, it's, it's usually those foreign buyers who come to the grain buyers and say, well, we're looking for, for this type of quality, and we are good with allowing a certain amount of dockage or foreign matter for, the, for, for that part. 
And so it, it doesn't really matter much what the CGC uh, puts down, what they consider export standard quality. Uh, you know, that used to be a, a big thing back when the wheat board was in charge. But now these grain companies make individual contracts with foreign buyers. So I'm not even sure if this is that imperative. And so for them to, on the wheat side, for example, what uh, constituted a number one or a number two wheat at the primary elevator where we deliver our crop to, our wheat to, uh, the test weight that made up a one or a number two was slightly lower than what it is for export standards at port. And so they want to align those two numbers. And instead of going, uh, okay, well, we'll, we'll do the, at the port facilities, align those numbers with, uh, with the primary elevator numbers and lower them a little bit, they actually want it to go the other way. And so that then could actually backfire as far as farmers are concerned if uh, for some reason our uh, wheat is slightly uh, lighter some years and then it might not make a number one or a number two. And yet when the elevator cleans it, quite often it uh, brings it up to export standard qualities anyways. So I'd, I don't see if this standardization of the export weight, bushel weight of the wheat and the primary elevator, current primary elevator weight, how that really benefits an overseas buyer. Because the overseas buyer will say, I would like to buy wheat that meets this weight specification. So they don't really care what the CGC here at home does. And so that being said, you know, this could possibly be used by grain buyers locally here to try and, you know, get into a different grade for farmers and that might net us less money at the end. This is hypothetically speaking. And again, the U.S. export standards are a lot lower than our primary standards anyways. And, you know, it seems like the U.S. has no trouble exporting their wheat and barley and uh, soybeans, canola, you name it. Uh, so even though we have very restrictive high standards, doesn't always equate to better sales. So Yoakum says the wheat growers will be keeping a close eye on grain grading as the new rules come into effect August 1st. Absolutely. We'll, we'll see how it plays out this fall and uh, next year. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will all work out uh, in, in farmers' favor. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the Grain Commission's job to look out for the farmer. Like, they, they are the overseer, and they should be here to uh, make sure that the farmers get a fair shake. Gunter Yoakum is the president of the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. A Mossbank teenager is taking his passion for the outdoors and turning it into a publication. 15-year-old Carson Green is the owner and creator of Everything Country magazine. 
and says he got the ball rolling on it two years ago. So back in 2021, I had the idea of starting a magazine based around, you know, the setting I live in, covering all topics country, you know, agriculture, ranching, rodeo hunting, you name it, it's in there. Um, and then I went all in, had amazing support from everybody around me, and now here we are today. He says the people in his community have supported him, and as time went on, things really took off. Yeah, a lot of social media promotion. I'm also uh, really good friends with the uh, host of Canada's Farm Show 2023, Sherilyn Jolly Nagel. So she had me on Canada's Farm Show TV. We did a segment there back in 2021. And uh, that really helped promote it. And then later on, I was featured on a number of different medias, and that really helped me too. Carson does most of the work putting the magazine together, but others from across Canada and Saskatchewan have contributed as well. Uh, so I just have to say that's about a four or five months process, um, just hours upon hours of work. But it's uh, when you kind of grow to be passionate about something like I have with this magazine, it, the work kind of doesn't seem as bad as it sounds. Everything Country Magazine is easy to find online, as well as even getting a hold of Carson. Just search up Everything Country Magazine and it'll be one of the top ones to pop up. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and you can email me at everything.country.mag at gmail.com. You can also contact me at 1-639-355-7109. Carson Green is the owner and creator of Everything Country Magazine. He was at Canada's Farm Show in Regina last week. And it's now coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, with a 30% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Winds southeast at 15 to 25, gusting higher at times, and a high of 26 degrees. For tonight, a 30% chance of scattered showers, otherwise partly cloudy. Winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a low of 15. For tomorrow, partly sunny during the day with a 30% chance of scattered evening showers. Winds southwest at 10 to 20, a high of 27, an overnight low of 14. For Wednesday, partly sunny, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 26. For Thursday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of 25. Friday, sunny, a high of 26. In the Paw and Swan River, it's 18 degrees. Dauphin and Roblin are at 21. Brandon, 24. Show Lake Russell, 22. Regina is at 23 degrees, Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, 20, Broadview, Mooseman, 24, Indian Head, 22, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 21. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, an east-southeast wind at 24, gusting to 33 kilometers an hour, 57% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. 
It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Broadcasting. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.